Okay, so we want to give you guys a little bit of an update before we start the show. And um, we wanted to take a moment and talk about our friend, Will Meyer. And you may know him from the credits of the end of the show. We always say his name. Uh, that sounds so pre- sad. Don't worry, Will did not get in like yeah, a Yeah, he's not line. dead or anything like that. <laughs> but Will has been producing our show with us for 18, 19 episodes, Jared. Yeah. Um, and he's going to be moving on. He's getting married. He's He's got a, I mean, he works full-time at Musicbed. And he's uh, one of my really good friends, one of our really good friends. Yeah. And, um, and we just want to take a second and say thank you, Will. And I'd probably th- like everybody to go and tweet at him and say thanks for making everything happen for the last uh, couple months. Because it's, it's like January. Yeah. yeah. I mean, literally everybody that's been on the show has been because of of Will helping it, helping make it happen. And um, thank you, Will. Yeah. Thank you, Will. So I love you. We're gonna miss you. So here's the show. Well, Jared Hogan, we're back together. How long has it been? I don't know, man. It's been a little bit. It's been a little spotty. Let's call it three months. I don't think that's true. (laughs) Let's just call it three months just so we can have a a solid date on it. Three months. It's good to be back after three months together. Yeah. Here in the same virtual room. It's good to be back on on an episode again. And I I thoroughly am excited about this episode. Are you? Yeah, personally, I am very excited about this episode. Who are we talking to? So we're talking to Josh Goldman. Let me start back a little bit. So Josh, we went to college together, but he was like several, like three or four years older than me, and has always kind of been like a hero and a guy that I've kind of like talked to and like watched from afar and learned from. Um, but yeah, he's he's this amazing. He went to school to be a DP and is a great DP, but. Uh, is also a photographer and had a lot of success with that too. And yeah, he's kind of like a rock and roll photographer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, probably cliche. the easiest way to say it. And uh, he's trained up under a guy named Danny Clinch, who is like the penultimate rock photographer. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, anybody you could imagine when I say like rock and roll, they've taken pictures of. I mean, he's worked with people like uh, Avett Brothers, Black Keys, Skrillex, Dave Matthews, Pearl Jam, Spoon, Willie Nelson, Jay Z, Questlove, Sufjan Stevens, Elvis Costello, uh, and Kiss, just to name like. So no, few. no big names so far. No, no big names really, <laughs> but I'm sure he's going to get there right someday. <laughs> get, he'll so, get next year. Anyway, yeah, we went to school together, and then he graduated, and it's just kind of like turned into this like insane photographer. So it's it's cool to catch up. Hey everyone, my name is Jared Hogan. And I'm Christian Schultz. And this is good. So Josh, tell um, tell us where you're at right now. Uh, I'm in Brooklyn, New York, um, in my my apartment in Prospect Heights. Um, so you're in New York. You've been there for how long now? Uh, nine years. <laughs> nine years. And if we go way back, we know each other from Savannah College of Art and Design. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I think I was. What year did you graduate? Were you oh seven or oh eight? Um, oh nine. Oh nine. Oh wow. So I was a freshman when you were a senior. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Wait, Josh, That's, how old are you? Uh, I am 32 years old. Okay. Which I have recently been asked, and I got it wrong, and my wife corrected me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm 31. She's like, uh, you're 32. I was like, oh, right. <laughs> yeah. I finally got to the age where I, like, it, 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 I stopped. It escapes you. Yeah. And you it, stopped I caring. I didn't know it would feel like this, but it. <laughs> You're there. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Let me see if I can like paint the picture. So Josh, it's like almost like mythology a little bit. Josh was a part of this graduating class from SCAD, where we both went to film school. Yeah. And um and it was kind of like magic. Josh, you can help describe this, but it was just like the most talented group of like people that all happened to be the same age at the same school at the same time. And uh, I guess, I mean, a lot of you guys still are friends working together, but it was like this thing, like everybody talked about Josh's class and there was probably, I don't know, like a dozen, 
maybe more people who are just like insanely talented that have gone on to do like amazing things. Is there anybody that I would know of? Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> probably not. Not yet. Yeah. Maybe not like na- like namely like recognizable, but still like in- involved in really amazing stuff. And Josh right. would definitely be be well, one of those. Yeah, I think that um, I think that there's a lot to be said of anybody who graduates from art school and they're passionate about what they do and they're at that age. And then fast forward like nine years later, anybody who is still doing it, chasing the dream and doing it, I think there's a lot to be said about that. Um, yeah. And I, I would have, I would say I do feel super honored to be um, part of like a, you know, a group of people that everyone is still really doing it and, and chasing the dream. Um, and I think that's really, really special. I think especially like living here in New York, it's, People, and the first like three years you're here, people just kind of like disappear like flies. Yeah. It's really, it's actually really hard to kind of maintain friends for a while here because people just kind of leave and they go Come back home go. or whatever. Um, and um, yeah, there's been a handful of people that have um, that are still living the dream, and it's it's really exciting and inspiring always. So Jared, do you feel like your class was kind of like the fourth generation? So it like just kind of, no, not at all. So we're talking like a huge, it's like a huge, well, I don't know if it went downhill. I just think they were like this anomaly of a class that like, right. Is still for real, Josh, I'm not kidding. I had a friend, Oh, you know, Ben Joyner, uh, Christian Ben graduated from SCAD. And like, he still talks about like, like Kevin Phillips and Wyatt Garfield and all those guys. Well, Wyatt's doing a lot of stuff. That's a name. Yeah, that's a name. He's definitely a name. So you're in this you're in this epic class, and then <laughs> and then you head out. And uh, where do you go right after you graduate? So I think I'm trying to think of the best way to to kind of piece this together. Um, I, I shot a handful of like senior films, um, and I never actually made a senior film myself. I just shot a handful of them, but I I really spent most of my time and energy sort of finishing school um, with Stephen Pyatt. And we made a film together, and we both like almost killed ourselves making that film because it was like the only thing that mattered in the world to us at the time, which was was just really cool. And I wish I could go back in time and give myself some advice on that film so, so badly because I remember I remember staying up three days straight, and I had a moment where I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna go to the bathroom for a second. Um, I just need like I need like twenty or thirty minutes just by myself," and. Um, I remember going into the bathroom and throwing up and laying on the floor and falling asleep for like 15 minutes and waking up and being disappointed <laughs> and just being like, okay, I just have like two more days to shoot this. And I was just like, I don't know how, like, how do people do this in the real world? This is so crazy. <laughs> As I found out, like eating food and sleeping is like really important to like, yeah, that is true. but anyways, okay. So that was, that was important to talk about just because I had, I kind of killed myself for that. And I was a little... I was a little burnt on that project, um, kind of physically and mentally. And I, I kind of thought to myself, I was like, I don't know, like, do I move to LA? Like, I want to, like, all I wanted to do, um, all I wanted to do was like be Roger Deakins or, um, right. or like, you know, I wanted to like, all I wanted to do was like make films with P.T. Anderson, you know, that like that, that was like all that mattered to me. And I had a moment where I was like, you know, maybe I'm like, what if I could do anything that I really wanted to do? What would I really want to do? And music has been, always been like a huge part of my life. Um, listening music and writing music and and um, being around musicians it was always like something that was really important to me. And I was like, if I could like make films and I could take photographs and I could be around music, that's all. Like that, it, and I just had this like kind of like moment where I realized that that's what I wanted to do and mm. I'd been following this guy Danny Clinch's work and I really liked his work because I had seen his photographs and <clears throat> I, I remember and I haven't watched it in a very very long time but um, when I was a uh, when I was in high school I had watched um, the Guster live on ice DVD DVD and I remember thinking to myself like that someone had come in and made uh, made a film that was a concert film and also like revealed a lot of about a band that I thought was really interesting. Yeah. And I was like, man, it'd be so cool to just do that kind of stuff. And then I decided, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go like try and work for this guy. And I wrote him an email and like 15 minutes later he wrote me back and he was like, why don't you bring your work uh, to my studio? Oh my God. And maybe, uh, maybe you could be an intern. 
<clears throat> and I was like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. And I, I had never, the furthest up the East Coast I'd ever been in my life was South Carolina. And this is graduating college. And I, um, I decided to drive all the way up and my buddy Chap was uh, living in Philadelphia. <clears throat> and he told me, he was like, don't drive to New York, just come to Philly and then take the bus over and you'll, it'll be a lot easier. And so I was able to park my car at his place and I took the bus over, and it was like my first time in the city, and it was pouring rain, and I was at Port Authority bus terminal, and I didn't know how to use the subway, and I just walked Who in does? the rain. <laughs> yeah. Um, I walked in the rain from 42nd Street down to 30th, and, uh, and went into the wrong building, like looking for Danny Clinch, and then I was up. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then I went across the street to the right place, and then... He wasn't actually there, and I, I met with his producer and, and like talked about filmmaking and talked about photography and music, and like we totally hit it off. And she was like, I mean, you, would you want to start this internship like next week? Um, oh, my gosh. And I was like, um, can you give me like two weeks? She's like, yeah, for sure. And like they were offering me like a one-day-a-week internship. Yeah. And so I went back to Philly, got my car, drove it all the way back um, to where I'm from, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And um, I gave it to my mom, and my mom was like, I have a friend at work that wants to buy the car. She sold it to her for nothing. And um, so I had like, I basically had $5,000. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go do this New York thing. <laughs> oh my and I got a one-way ticket, and I flew to, um, through a friend of a friend of a friend. I was able to get a room up in Harlem for three months. And I was like, all right, three months, let's give this New York thing a try. And I stayed up there and I started, started interning for Danny. And it wasn't until like almost the third month that I actually meet him did he actually show up at the studio. And what? Uh, yeah, Crazy. Yeah. yeah, well, he was just shooting and traveling so much. Yeah. And I was and also, I was only there one day a week. Right. You know? So it was a very long time until I met him. And I remember, uh, I remember actually like the first time he walked in and I was like, I was so nervous and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, the other thing is, is like when you leave college, you're, you feel like you're such a hotshot. You're like, the world needs what I've created. Like, they're ready for me. The world needs this. And then you realize that, like, there's things like taxes and rent. And, like, there's all these, like, really big things that, like, kind of change your perspective on, like, art and life. And, um, and I, I learned those things, like, fairly quickly. <laughs> when I say learn them, I, I was more realized them. Right. And, um, yeah, and then it started that way. And then I, I basically was down to do anything. And um, kind of everything that I learned was sort of washed away. And I was sort of, sort of learning how, how like business works and how like yeah. that kind of works. And then it got to a point where I started to like meet Danny and talk to him about stuff. And, um, you know, I was like spray painting radiators and like carrying stuff to his car and like picking his car up from the airport and, you know, just trying to like do stuff to be around and be available. And then. Yeah. <clears throat> and then the longer I was around, the more I started to, to like kind of start to have a relationship. And I basically got to the point where I had about $130 uh, left. And my dad promised me, he was like, if you run out of money, I will, I guarantee you a one-way trick to get home. And like, you know, no, no, like no judgment. If you need it, I'll, I'll get it for you. You know, I'll, I'll fly you home. Yeah. And then I, of course that was like, the worst case scenario. And so, <laughs> so um, I was determined to never let that happen. <clears throat> and I got to a point and I told Danny, I was like, hey, I'm going to have to leave. He was like, why? What's going on? And I was like, I don't have any more money. And he goes, <laughs> are you not getting paid? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, no. And he goes, when? If, you were, if we brought you on for like <clears throat> three or four days a week, would you stick around? And I was like, yes, <laughs> please. Dude. That's and uh, and so he brought me on, and and I started doing anything and everything. And you know, I knew, I knew, I like, I knew video stuff, and then I also knew photo stuff. And then I also was just, you know, when I was when I was in between school years growing up, um, I worked at a moving company, and so I had this like kind of work ethic of yeah of like you all that junk there needs to go over to this place over here and just do whatever you got to do to make that happen. Yeah. And so I was like, you know, down to do whatever. And um, I it just like one thing moved to another and I was like, you know, carrying stuff. And then I was like assisting and then I was digital teching and then I was doing printing and gallery sales and I started having all these ideas. And, 
And I don't know, we just formed a relationship. And then it was like, maybe, maybe like eight or nine months into it, um, I was like, you know, I went to school for cinematography and I, you know, I, I've been shooting some stuff on the side, you know, whatever. But if you ever needed me to shoot stuff, like I'm down to do whatever. I'd love to just like help out like a DP that's shooting stuff for you. I would, I'd love to like hear your input on stuff, whatever. And then he started having this sort of like a Hollywood, like hotshot DP that was doing stuff. And then Danny just started like kind of pairing me up with him and putting me on set and having me, you know, be a PA or do whatever. And I, I was able to like sort of watch him and ask questions and all this kind of stuff. And then, then there was just like super low budget music video. And then Danny was like, he goes, hey, would you want to shoot this with me? And we sort of did it together. And then, you know, fast forward to now, and it's like I shoot all of his, like, big advertising stuff and documentary stuff and um, music video stuff. And um, and it's it's incredible, really incredible. And, you know, and then that's kind of... Of course, I have I have my own sort of photo um, career going on, and, and we actually have the same agent, which is, which is really cool. That's amazing. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, um, that's a crazy story. Yeah, it's really crazy. But, you know, I think, I think a lot of it has to do with, I got really lucky that I was attracted to someone's work that I, I really fit in with, but also that he was someone who cared about people and cared about relationships. And, you know, he's a very, he's a very loyal person. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, by trusting on me and you know and it's it's and I'll I'll be completely honest and say that there was there was a job that I wasn't necessarily ready for and he really pushed for me to do it and and I I really I messed up big time and he completely <clears throat> and it was a stupid mistake and I you know I'm still, like still thinking about it and I'm really embarrassed by it and he totally stuck his neck out and he was like you know it's he he took the fault for it and and he pulled me aside and he goes you know he was like I'm going to own this one and I expect that this will never happen again because wow. I still want to work with you. How and I just early, how early was this in y'all's relationship? Um, I would say this is probably year like two and a half, something okay. like that. And that was like a moment where, you know, you know how it is like when you go to, if you go to like go to hell and back with somebody, like yeah. there's that that kind of moment where you realize you're like, I know how you react whenever, like whenever it's the worst it will possibly be. And like you, you trust that person and you respect that person. And that was one of those moments where I was like, I, it was the first time I'd ever had that with someone that was so much further than me. You know, it was always mm-hmm. with people that we were, you know, you know, bad stuff would happen. And then it would be like, yeah, well, I mean, we're both idiots really. <laughs> but it, like for him, it was like, he's not an idiot. I'm yeah. the idiot. And, and then it was like to kind of see him take that so well, like was, has always been, that kind of changed the way that I handle stuff, even with people that are working with me now, yeah. you know, that you sort of, you realize you, like when someone messes up, you have an opportunity to grow stronger with that person and not destroy them, you know? And I yeah. think that that'll something, that's something that will always, you know, stick with me for sure. Um, I think it's interesting, like obviously going to intern for somebody, but then obviously going into your own career at what point does it start to feel like a mentorship and then like start to fe- or stop to feel like a mentorship and then start to feel like competition in a way? Like, because you guys are kind of doing the same or like intentions are like kind of the same as far as working with music or, or bands yeah. and doing motion stuff. Yeah. At what um, point does it like not go to competition? Well, I would say, um, um, there was there's a lot there was a very long period there where it was definitely a mentorship and you know anybody that's had a mentor will realize that the critique on the work kind of goes away you know fairly quickly and and then it suddenly becomes a more of like sustainability and it's like when i you know like you know i'm married and i'm doing this and i'm traveling and being with bands and being on tour or shooting this and you know doing stuff for free and then you know there's just like this kind of a a big gamut of like things that you do to like get your name out there and to show your work and to meet people. And it can be really taxing on yourself, but it can also be really taxing on a relationship or yeah. the idea of having a family. And I think that there was, there was a, a, a period where 
he was critiquing my work and then then it turned in and then that was something that I had talked to him about and was like you know what do you think about this what do you think about this like what does this feel like it's missing like you know that that kind of thing um but I had become so familiar with his work uh on a technical level from beginning to end and then the more I was involved like on conference calls and on jobs and traveling the more I started to like really be able to sort of witness and see how it works on a, a social level yeah that like like I didn't really feel like I needed that mentorship because you know very quickly you can kind of like align yourself as to like what what you believe in and what you want and and very quickly as anyone who creates and does it and wants to do it all the time you, very quickly you have an opinion and you start to say, yeah, that's cool. Oh, interesting how he did it that way. But this is how I want to do it, you know. And, and that mm, stuff was yeah. always kind of going through my head. And then, it, and then the mentorship quickly shifted into like, hey, so like this happened. Like w- what did you do? Or like mm, right, how am I supposed right. to ever have kids? Or like when did you buy someplace? And like when did you feel like that you had a place where you could – do what you wanted. When did you feel like you wanted to stop interning? When you know those kind of things and those, yeah. and that's where, you know, I, I honestly I could not speak more highly of him and the times we've spent together and the advice he's given me. And I always hope that the people that work for me can can kind of like feel that grace and that like that po- like that positive vibe of like working hard and being good at what you do and being good to people. Because Danny was always yeah. the person that told me, you should always be good to everyone, the interns and the PAs, because you never know who's going to hire you next. And he was like, I remember someone who was an intern here, and then next thing I know, like eight years later, they were hiring me for this job. It's crazy. And yeah. it's because they saw that I cared about what I do, and I care about who are around me. And, and it's cool because I've, you know, I've worked for other people, and like you, you quickly see this like world of people who are very um defensive or they're very like protective or they're like overly aggressive and you know not to name any names but like from the top to the bottom there's like people that are insecure and or they're protecting something or whatever and i i just feel like that i've learned from danny and a few other people that um you know it's all about expectations and about surrounding yourself with people that you trust and yeah um and you know, and that's how you. That's and then you grow, um, or you continue to grow, and you you just treat people good. And so that was that was something that was a mentorship. And then, in terms of like us, um, it being competition, I think that um, the fact that we have the same agent is a really good sort of like deterrent to that. Yeah. In the fact that like they, you know, I, I actually remember calling Danny and being like, hey. Um, you know, Livian and Levitt want to rep me, but I, I told them that my relationship with you was more important than us being jealous about what we, what we do. <laughs> and, and I just want to have your blessing, you know, and I want you mm. to know that, you know, my relationship with you is really important and I owe a lot of my career to like the opportunities you've given me. And he was like, he really, really responded to that. And he told me he was really proud of me and thought it was really awesome. And, you know, and on a business standpoint, like, you know, he has, he has a lot of overhead and he has a lot of like, he has a lot of mouths to feed and, um, a business to protect as well. But I think that, you know, from a business standpoint, having the same agent is sort of a guarantee that I won't be bidding for the same jobs as he is because they would basically say, you can have this or this and one costs (laughs) a lot more than the other. (laughs) (laughs) And I say that, <laughs> I, I really don't mean to make that a point, but, you know, um, it's, it's a different, it's a thing. It's a, you know, it's a weird world we live in. <laughs> yeah. It, it might be helpful, Josh, um, maybe like kind of paint the picture of like, because I really didn't know Danny Clinch until I kind of like checked in on like how you were doing after college. So maybe it's worth like kind of painting the picture of like who Danny is, like the work he's done and, and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, for sure. So, um... I remember, I remember the first time that I saw an image. I was actually looking in Rolling Stone, and I actually saw it was like a portrait of Dave Matthews laying on a um, a hotel bed with a guitar, like looking out the window, and like the the bed was all messed up, and and it really felt like this like classic document of of like um of like contemporary music. But there was something about it that it, it felt like really iconic to me. Because mm. I feel like that, you know, there was a phase in the 80s and 90s um, with, like, 
cross-processing and fisheye lenses and right. like, you know, certain types of framing and exposure. And there was like a, there's like a style that, that it went through that it felt very like poppy colors. And I don't know, it just, it didn't feel like those classic photos of Bob Dylan right. or like yeah. Neil Young or, you know, things like that. Basically like images like Jim Marshall had shot of that were like iconic images mm -hmm. of Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin and Bob Dylan and and I remember looking at that and having this moment where I was like wow like music that's contemporary can still still look really like iconic and classic to me yeah. and I remember looking at that name and being like Danny Clinch and it was just like such a it's such an easy name to remember uh, just mm -hmm. like the Clinch and you know if if someone was to like a week later be like Hey man, there's this like really cool photo in Rolling Stone. Like, you know who shot that? I'd be like, you know, it was like it, it wasn't that like that. I wasn't like that big of a fan. But yeah. I also then but then I remember, uh, I remember looking um, uh, at like I st I started just like looking at images and seeing who shot them and like I started putting together names and like thinking about this stuff and it was like. I feel like that within like two months of doing that, his name came up like four or five times. <laughs> And then I remember, I was like, oh my God, I remember, and I looked up, I looked online and I saw that he had done, he'd done this like Ben Harper documentary. Yeah. And then he had done this like, the Guster Live on Ice thing, which I remember. And I remember that had like such an impact on me, you know? Yeah. Um, and, um, and I was also like, when I was in high school, I was like a really big Beastie Boys fan for a little while. And I remember looking and like at his portfolio and then I saw Beastie Boys images and I said, like it all came together and I was like, Oh my God, this is the guy. He like, <laughs> the guy. he's like, he's like all, all this music that I like, I really love. And he makes stuff feel so like iconic, but it feels effortless. Yeah. And it has like, it just feels so like relaxed and free, but like, there's something about it that doesn't feel so like, it doesn't feel dated. And yes, uh, I got exactly. like, I got really, I, got, I just was really excited about it. And, um, I remember whenever I put my list of names, I made a list of 10 people that I wanted to work for and mm -hmm. um, which would be really fun to dig up and look at. Yeah, now. you should find that. Um, that I would just remember being inspired by them for one reason or another. And um, when I looked through all of them, there was like, there was something in me that was sort of like, you know, it's like, you know, you look like Robert Ellswit and you're like, yeah, right. Like, what am I going to do for him? And it's like, Roger Dickens. And you're like, yeah, right. Like, what am I going to do for him? <laughs> and, you know, and then it's like you start to make it through. And then I remember looking at Danny's and I just remember being like, I don't know what he's got going on. Like, he needs me. Like, I got to be. Like, <laughs> I have to do this. Like, that's all that makes sense. And I just remember, I remember having this, like, this, like, lift off of my chest that was sort of like, oh, well, that's the answer. It's simple. Like, just like, let's just do it and go for it. And I, I remember being so inspired by it that I did it. And I never reached out to anyone else on the list. I just, I just reached out to him. Um, did did you know it, that you didn't, that at that point you wanted to do photography and not film? I know you kind of do both now, but. Um, I knew, I knew that both of them were always really important to me. Like I, okay. I grew up watching movies with my dad and um, that was always like really important to me. Um, like, well, when I say really important to me, it's like, you know, when you're in high school, I made like videos of my friends and like we ran around and, you know, did all this kind of stuff. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, I, no one had ever, no one ever taught me like, you know, any type of like camera tricks or like how to make edits or how to move from scene to scene. And like, you know, if we all sat down and watched what I made in high school, um, we would laugh and I would be really embarrassed and like, it would be really silly. And yeah. it's just a bunch of high school kids running around. But at the time I was like, you know, I really wanted to be a musician. I wanted to play guitar like John Mayer really bad. And I, um, I was like, I had perfected how to play like neon on the guitar. And I was like really, really proud of myself. And I remember like digging through music and I had this moment where I, I was like, you know, like if all this falls through, like I'm just going to disappear for a while and make an album and I'm just going to be a musician and it'll be perfect. Like that'll be what I want to do, you know? And I, and then as I like recorded, you know, recorded my own songs and whatever, I had this moment where I was listening to the White Album by the Beatles. And I just remember being like, everything that I want to do musically, like I just, the Beatles made the White Album and I just don't <laughs> understand like, 
every musician that makes an album should have like some sort of like like a line in the, in the in the liner notes that's like with all due respect to the Beatles, I made this album in honor of you. <laughs> you know, kind of and I just remember being like, they made that and I can never make anything. But like, I, all I, like when I watch all these movies, I didn't care what anyone had made. I was just inspired by it. I was like, I don't care what you made. I just want to make it too. Right. I want to be with you. I want to make stuff. Like, mm. I just want to do it. And then, then the music stuff sort of, it faded away really quickly. And like, you know, I, you, I just kind of, compl- I, I feel no... I mean, there's this little part of me that, you know, wants to, like, sit down and, like, get back into it at some point. But, like, for the most part, I have given all I've got into um, filmmaking and photography. And, you know, I, I think that if you look at my work now, it's it's very much, like, it's very documentary work. And, um, and, and like, the, my photo work is, you know, more on the portrait and documentary kind of, like, feel... Um, just because it's like what makes me happy and, and what I really love. And I feel like that there's, I feel like there's a, still a lot that I've yet to do, but as of right now, from the hurdles that I've overcome, just surviving in New York and, and, um, you know, not shooting weddings anymore on the weekends and things like that, that I, you know, I'm, I'm super proud of what I've been able to make. And I am just, you know, super excited about like what I can make in the future. And because uh, I still feel like I have, I still feel like I have so much in me, and I have these moments where I look at other people's, you know, portfolios, and I just get like crushed, and I'm like, God, oh, <laughs> I think everybody feels God. that way. <laughs> I've done nothing. I have yeah. done nothing with my life, you know. And then um, I try to like remind myself I shouldn't be mad at myself, you know. I have like these like yeah. waves of that kind of thing. <laughs> well, do you mind if we kind of talk about your uh, approach? to what you would say is your documentary um, photography, like... Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, how do you kind of, I guess once you get a job, say it's um, it, what it looks like to follow around, you know, um, Skrillex or something like that. Yeah. Like, where, where do you actually start to... Is it is it genuinely just kind of going into three or four days and just seeing what happens, or do you have, like, a pretty set thing that you know like you have images in your head that you want to get like how yeah. do, can you break it down for me yeah absolutely um i think that um when i first started shooting and wanting to wanting to document and um um when it which which which, which might be worth saying um like i adore bruce davidson's work and his documentary work mm-hmm. um and i love the way he portrays people and emotions and moments and um just imperfections in his work and, um, and, and also, you know, and Danny's as well and seeing him shoot and how he shoots and stuff like that is obviously will always have a massive impact on me and my career. You know, I went into it like saying, okay, I want to make my own thing. I have my own ideas of what I want to create. Um, and you know, you, you shoot stuff that you have, I don't know, that's like things that are, uh, available to you. And um, you, you try to make something of it, and then a lot of times, like, no one cares about it, and it's just, like, something that's, like, you know, just someone did this one thing this one time, like, whatever. No one really cares. No one was there for it. Whatever. And you're just sort of, like, trying to find your voice and to where people will respond to it or whatever. And then you, you kind of can't help to think to yourself, you're just like, oh, well, maybe if I was documenting, like, a celebrity, people yeah. would care about it. You know, <laughs> that kind of thing, which is, like... Uh, you know, I, I still like have a lot of mixed feelings about, and the more the more I like am sort of like in this world and have opportunities, the more I'm like, yeah, I mean that's cool, like I get it, you know, celebrities like doing this, doing that, whatever. But like, the more I keep going back to like the things that nobody cares about, that is like really where you should find your own voice, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, and 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 I think that I never really paid attention to the fact that all these images from Bruce Davidson that I loved didn't have any celebrities in it. Mm. It was people right. it was people being mm. real and it was all these moments and you know I think that like I maybe had had a moment earlier um when I moved to New York uh, I hesitate to say career because like I still like have like mixed feelings about it but like maybe earlier in my career <laughs> um I was I thought that that was like the way to get more work and and you know and some people that is true um but I I don't know I'm, I'm not really answering your question. I would say um, I had ideas of what I wanted to do, like specifically, like maybe with the Skrillex stuff, like to go in and do this, do that, whatever. 
And I think that with him, I was always, you know, because I'd, I'd met him years before in New York um, through uh, RH, um, a mutual friend of ours who was his tour manager at the time. He was touring as like the, just as Sonny. And I shot a bunch of photos of him, you know, and at the time I was like, I put him on my Flickr. I had like, you know, a t- like a blog at the time, you know, that was like as far as it got into the, like the social media world um, due to none of the other kind of medias existing. Um, and I shot all these photos and, you know, I, I realized, um, I really like, I really respected him as an artist. And I think that like seeing his fan base and seeing like the music he makes was like, was really interesting, but to see him as like a person and as an artist where there was a quiet, mo- quiet moments was really interesting to me. And fast forward, he turned into Skrillex and his mm. tour manager connected us again. And he, call- he like, you know, Sonny called me and he was like, hey, Hey, I'm getting ready to do this tour, and I want you to come on and like just like do your thing. And he he said to me, I, I was like, well, what do you want me to do? And he was like, I don't know, just like bring your cameras and like, I don't know, man, just make something that you like and just make cool shit. And I was like, <laughs> okay, um, cool. And then he and then he handed the phone over um, to his manager, and he was like, hey, um, do you guys work everything out? And I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, I mean, can you jump on tour with us? And I was like. I mean, yeah, it depends on when, you know, like we can look at a calendar. He goes, well, I mean, can you like be in Montreal tomorrow? <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> and so um, it was really good because I, all these things that I wanted to do um, turned into, you put a camera in your hand and you mm. trust your gut and you go and you just like, you get yourself in the middle of a situation and you, you know, you shoot and you shoot and you shoot and you get tired Mm. And things happen, and you have these moments where you're like, oh, well, we're just driving here to here. Like, this is just, like, part of the, like, this is just us. Like, the real shot is, like, Sonny holding a microphone, pointing in the air in front of, like, 30,000 people. Like, that's what I'm really here for. And then I think that that was less interesting to me, and it was more interesting to me the moments that, like, it was me and him in a hotel room, and he was, like, like, telling his like the tour manager like give me like 10 more minutes to finish this song and it was you know like those yeah. kind of moments where i was like yeah. this is the thing that's cool or like he pulls his laptop out and he works on something and he gets inspired and he like plugs it into the stereo of the car and he asks what everyone thinks of it and it was like those are the things where i was like this is what i'm here for yeah right you know? and, and it yeah. was interesting because he gave me an opportunity to like a uh, kind of a no-fail situation where i i could kind of like discover what it is what my voice was and like what I wanted to make, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, the more I was around him, I ended up doing like six tours with him <laughs> all around the world and, fri- fl- you know, flying in private jets and doing all this kind of stuff. And you, you know, more people get involved and like suddenly there's like this other, there's like these two girls and they're shooting photos and they're like giggling and flirting with him and shooting photos. And I see like what he gives them and then I see what he gives me. And then you, I sort of start to realize like where I fit in this. And, and that's to, you know, when I have these moments, when these moments happen that I realize it's something that I want and it's something that I think is like important um, to like maybe paint a portrait of him as someone who is sort of in the fast lane of life and, and is in the spotlight. But like he also, he lives so much on the road that there's these moments here and there where that's where he's inspired to like do the next thing, mm-hmm. not necessarily by like the stage or the after party or the after after party or the girls, or the planes, or whatever. It's more of like this moment where we decide we don't want to do an after party and we like go to the fish market in Tokyo and like yeah. walk around. It's like that's, and, and suddenly I realized that like if you can be on tour with that and you can like not be involved in any type of like substance that can like maybe deter your, you know, ability to be aware of a situation when it's happening, um, I think that those are the moments that I realized I was there for. And I think that that's what made our relationship really, really unique. And I, and that's something that I've taken on to like anything else that I've done with people is to, to realize that like people like, you know, celebrities or anybody that's like being documented, like everyone has a guard up that is, you know, wants to be presented in a certain way. And I think that once you establish yourself as someone who it can be trusted and someone that, yeah. that is like has a, has a vision for something that, um, and you know, and I'm saying these in kind of broader terms because they kind of like they kind of fit in a lot of scenarios. Um, that you, you know, you can kind of like shoot at certain times that to define what it is that you want and what you what you like, and and uh, and let people feel like they're a part of it, not like 
that they're just you know uh, some sort of an animal in a cage that you're right. Rapid like, fire, you know, I feel like um, Josh, looking at your work and then even Danny's, it seems like maybe the common denominator is like awareness. Like when you said that, I was like, that's totally what I think about. Like the word that comes to mind when I look at your work is like just like always aware and like ready to like capture a moment. Yeah. And you know, I went through, I went through like a pretty big phase for about like maybe three years that I was shooting a lot on the streets um, because I wanted to be faster and I wanted to be able to like anticipate moments Mm. and I wanted to be in a situation. Well, I mean, first of all, it's like really, I mean, when you shoot on the streets, it's like you failure, like, and it just sucks and your images are terrible. And, you know, and then there's also like the, just the anxiety of like, picking your camera up and shooting you, you shoot yeah. from the hip for a while and you try to like be sneaky about it but it comes down to like just having the guts to take a picture when you want to yeah i learned so much about myself and about photography from doing that regardless of whatever i made was good or not like it it i learned so much about anticipating moments and seeing moments in light and and um and also having one chance to do something, you know, yeah. because I would often just shoot like one frame of something. Wow. And I think that that taught me so much about like being aware of your surroundings and, um, you know, and from a New York City, like a New Yorker moment, um, tr- like being aware of your surroundings and the people that are around you makes commuting and makes like being a New Yorker so much more mm. uh, interesting because you're constantly like aware of what's around you instead of like just trying to like smash your face in a phone and get home as fast as possible. Right. So I think that I I learned so much about myself and I learned a lot about people and I learned a lot about light and about like moments. And, um, what do you, what was like the biggest lesson? Um, the biggest lesson was, um, was body language. Um, (laughs) and that was, that was sort of, if you have, if you have a digital SLR, in front of your face with like a zoom lens on it and you pick it up and you point your body right at someone, even if they're not paying attention, people like feel that right. they're aware of it, huh. you know? But if you turn your, if you, if you, if you always keep your, your, your body language pointed, your energy is always pointed somewhere else. Um, and you then shoot and then like there's, there's all sorts of little like tricks that I would do hmm. where I would shoot a photo of someone blatantly and then I'd bring the camera down and then I'd be looking right past them and I'd walk straight past them <laughs> and then shoot another photo. Right. And they would sort of be like, oh, I mean, what am I going to do? Assume he's taking photos of me, you know? <laughs> and so I learned that a lot. And, and I remember um, when I first got my hands on shooting like with a, a Canon C3. Do people actually do that? Um, it's happened to me a couple of times. Where, where people, people like called you out? Uh, yeah. Um, I've had some people that were, that would like get upset and confront me about it. Did they want to get paid? Um, oh, well, well, yeah. Um, yeah, well, there's, that's another strategy. <laughs> um, okay, so hang on, let me, let me, let me, okay. this is like yes. a three-part question here. Um, so I had people that have, like, confronted me about it, um, and, but uh, my, my, my deal is always, like, I'm always, like, just in such a, like, a quiet state, state that they'll be like, are you, hey, no photo, like, what are you taking photos of me for? Like, whatever. Yeah. And I'll just be like, I'll be like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm just... I, I'm just shooting the, like the, the streets of New York, you know, I only have like a day left here and I'm just, I, <laughs> you know, like there's that kind of thing. And you're just so like calm and so like, just like defeated by your face that people like, <laughs> can't do anything. And then the other thing is, is like, I have like, I have a, uh, like a Leica that I shoot with. Yeah. So small. And I like, I've taped off everything to where it just looks like a really thin black, like yeah. very narrow box that it, it's not a phone. So it's not like attached to digital media or like social media. Right. It doesn't. It's not a video, and it's also not a big camera that like people like associate with like paparazzi or whatever. Right, right. And I feel like that immediately like people aren't so aggressive about it because um, there's that, and then there's also like the like oh I'm a photo studio a photo student and I'm just trying to learn stuff. Like you, know, you can like you can say that kind of stuff, but like for the most part, your body language should answer that question before you confront them. And like you should like, look as amateur as possible when you're taking a photo. Well, no, your your, your energy should always be focused somewhere else. Like, yeah. Then, then tar- like nobody wants to be targeted, and no one wants to be no one wants to be like put in a cage and be like attacked or like be photographed. You know. Yeah. So it, there's always that thing of like just always putting your energy somewhere else, and and um, uh, in terms of the money thing, there's been a lot of times that I've been around. I've had my camera, and then I'll I'll go to take photos of like a building or a sign or like a thing, mm-hmm. and uh, and then people will be like, 
yo, that's five dollars for taking a photo of that, or taking a photo of my bike, or taking a photo of like my house or my car or whatever. And I was laughing. I'm like, hey, man, I'll tell you what. If I get paid, you let's let's both get paid. You know what I'm saying? You know. And it's just like one of those things where it's like you know, like you end up like just chatting up the person and like talking, yeah. and then people yeah. people will often more want to be involved in it than than someone who feels like they're like trying to they're trying to do something, they're trying to take something. You know? How does that, how does that translate to um like doc work that you do, like like uh, video? I think that being around people and shooting people, like whoever it is, if it's if it's um, if it's like someone at a wedding, or if it's um, you know if it's like a, a, a like a musician that nobody knows, or if it's a musician that everybody knows, or if it's like even an actor or an actress, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. Like if you can if you can treat your camera as something that is like um, it's like a friendly object, and you have like good yeah. energy. Um, and you're always aware of what's happening. Um, I think that that's like that's that's really made shooting any job satisfying. Whether it's something that's my project or not, I've always enjoyed like rolling the camera. You know, because it's like since I've been in New York, I've you know I've shot a lot of 16 millimeter. But when it comes to being like a cam and shooting like the real meat and potatoes of yeah. like what the piece is, you know, it's always been like you know video stuff. It's always going to be like digital. Right. And I I. I like nine times out of ten, before someone says roll camera, like I always roll it beforehand. Like right, I'm always yeah. on it. And if something happens, like the director's not paying attention, whoever it is, and like something starts to happen, I always like pick up the camera and we'll shoot something. And like, you know, some like sometimes it ends up being part of the piece, but like at the end of the day, it's like I want to make something that feels real and feels special, and yeah. like that just is part of my process. And you know, I I remember a moment. Where I was shooting something where I had to I had to light everything and there was like there's so much involvement and so many like creatives involved and like people watching everything and you know th that that kind of thing and I remember the they were like tweaking some light we still had like ten minutes before they were ready because I had to move a light from one spot to another they had to rig it up overhead and um, the talent was like sitting over by this window and like sipping on some coffee and I just remember like walking over with the camera and just like shooting that for a little while and and it was interesting because like people started to pick up on it and realize mm -hmm. that it was like all this nonsense that is around us is to hopefully capture something like this and we had mm. this moment and like and I think that shooting street and you know this like body language and energy like it, it all comes down to like being aware of what's happening in front of you and not yeah. treating the camera as a, okay, action. Because like if I'm directing something or if I'm shooting and directing something, like I never say action to anybody. Right. Like I always want people to think that they're like easing into it. You know, yeah. even if they're an actor or an actress, like I always love, I just like people, like I like the camera to be rolling and to be like, all right, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd say go for it. Yeah, just go for it. You know, like that that kind of mindset, and right. and I think that it makes me feel more comfortable, and it makes them feel more comfortable, and it like there's an opportunity for people to feel like they have the ability to um, collaborate instead of be told what to do all the time. Yeah, and whether that's like a scripted thing or not, like I love I love people that are that want to collaborate and they want to be themselves, and I think that for me, I get a really quick sense if it's a photo job or a video job if they feel uncomfortable and yeah. I think for me I like to I like to be around and like let people feel more comfortable and I think that that was like that's a really really big part of why Danny and I work really well together because sometimes what other people would think is like really ballsy for like a DP to like drop the camera down while it's rolling in the middle of a take and be like yeah. to like then like chime in on something and like you know like be like oh my god that happened to me this morning or like you know or like let let things like that happen um it changes the mood um between the people who are trying to create and then you know be a part of it like you know be on the other side of the camera and i think that that's that's something that's like a common thread in anything that i that i've done um and i think that i learned a lot about that about like street and you know yeah anything that the document you know Josh let me ask you a question real quick do you find it hard to uh, not treat things very preciously when it comes to like the end product of something? Um, yeah. I, you know what? I think that um, I, I guess, have, I guess what I'm saying is like, because of the people that you like, like, I mean, even like the, um, 
you know, Bruce Davidson stuff. Like most of his stuff is like half the time it's like out of focus. You know yeah. what I mean? But it's like so yeah. perfect in every yeah. way. It's so weird. But like, do you find like kind of looking to that stuff? Like I, I find that all the time where I'm super attracted to like, you know, 16 mil stuff that just like is really whacked out and like, you know, um, it's it's like sliding in and out of focus and it's like super underexposed, but it just feels perfect. But yeah. whenever I pick up a camera personally, I'm like, okay, let me look, let me look at my waveforms, let me look at this and make sure that everything's perfect and then the light's perfect and then okay, let's shoot. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. I think that um, I've got I've gone through a lot of I've gone through phases where I have felt really nervous because you know it's like there's certain jobs where you know maybe it's the first time you like had a epic dragon in your hands and it was like a bunch of money at the time to rent it or whatever and you're like right. I gotta make this perfect I want to deliver the perfect thing and you know you you've read you know you've got a subscription to American Cinematographer <laughs> and you know like all these things but like at the reality it's like the way I make money I shoot weddings on the weekend and I, I, I if I can walk away with $200 from this shoot I'll be stoked like that's what the reality is for a lot of people and there's that moment where you're like okay if I do this perfectly I'm gonna like people are gonna be like this is a good director of photography right. this is a good shooter or whatever and you know I've, I've done that kind of stuff and then I've realized like um I've also seen how I've seen a handful of other people how they handle it and there's those moments where you're like wait a second they don't really know what they're doing they're just like yeah. grabbing this thing <laughs> and shooting you know is it better than mine is it like is this the right way to do it is this what I'm supposed <laughs> to do um but you know I think that there there's a there's a moment of like ego in there and it's because like a lot of us like worship the work of people who are completely purposeful on everything that they do, like the color, the grain. Right. They're like, they're like, oh, I don't want to shoot in the cook for us fours because like there's this, the edges are not, uh, they're out of focus, <laughs> whatever thing. And it's like, yeah, I mean, you can like, yeah, I get that, and I know that they like lenses have their different looks and whatever, but like also grab a camera and like just like go for it and like yeah. shoot it. And right. you know, there's there's moments where it needs to be really clear and really crisp, and you know, there's that kind of thing, but. I think that there's like an ego that all of us have in thinking that is what it takes to be good is mm -hmm. to be like, what I make is perfect. Mm -hmm. What I do is completely intentional. And I think that like when you get to a certain point in your career where you've kind of proven yourself, you should go back down to that, like, go, you know, not go back down, excuse me. Like you should loosen up a little bit and right. realize like, like you should chase what inspires you and not be so like, Stop looking at the waveform for a little bit. I mean, obviously, like, there's moments where it's really important, you know, like on if you're shooting at night and you, you know, the just like the brightness of the screen will be misleading, or you're in the middle of the day and you can't see very well. Like, there, you know, there's some things that are like, as a DP, you like should always be sharp on, but you should also let yourself go for it and make mistakes and like chase something that you want, you know? And I think that, um, one thing that's really nice and, and why like Danny and myself have like always loved including like just shooting a roll or two with like um, with like a Bolex mm -hmm. is it's you know you can shoot all day long with like whatever camera you want and then suddenly it's like okay the Bolex is out no more rules and then there's like this freedom in it and I'm sort of like why mm. can't I just do this with another yeah. camera you know <laughs> um, and and uh, and I, I think that, you know, there's a, there's a lot to be learned in that. And I, you know, I still haven't had it all figured out. But I would say, like, you know, there's different, different moods for different jobs. And, you know, I've, I've had so many projects ripped away from me that I can't let it be precious. Um, hmm. That I sort of, I just try to set it up to succeed as much as possible and anticipate what the end result is going to be. Whoever's coloring it, if I feel like it's going to be colored, whatever, um, where it's going to end up living. You know, there's just kind of like a different reaction to that. And I think that, um, I, I don't know. I, I don't That's try a, to treat yeah. anything too precious. That's really interesting. I mean, when you said, um, I've had too many things kind of ripped away from me to keep anything too precious, like to, to feel like anything's too precious. Like, I think that kind of hit with me, like. You do it's, but it's not getting jaded, right? It's not. No. You're not getting jaded towards like the industry or whatever. You're just like, um, the thing, the things that you care about are totally different than most people. Yeah, I, I just think that if you want to be a filmmaker, if you want to be a photographer, if you have a camera and you are shooting something, you don't have too much to complain about. 
Like, you should always enjoy that. That's awesome, right. Like, if you're shooting clothes on a wall, if you're shooting, like, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, some people, That's like, so just good. dread yeah. the idea. They're like, if you're shooting weddings, it's, like, the worst thing ever, right. you know? It's like, even if you are, it's like you're interacting with people. You're moving around. You, you're alive. You're shooting. Like, you don't, you can't be too upset. <laughs> I would I would venture to say that um, when you shot my wedding, that was, like, the pinnacle of your career. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, you know what? I... I would say, first of all, that was awesome. And I remember, <laughs> I, you know what? From a creative standpoint, it rained the morning of your wedding. And I was so I was so crushed because I had scouted some spots that I wanted to go to. And I was like, oh, this is going to be so good. Oh, I, like, I want to do this. Like, I really, that was a moment where I really always wanted to prove myself. Yeah. I just remember the clouds clearing and, like, having such a beautiful sunset. And, like, yeah. there were so many great people at your wedding. And, yeah. You know, I just was, I just, like, I, I think back about all the weddings that I've shot and, like, whether they're good or bad or whatever, like, it was still, it's still, like, it's still people and it's moments. And you can yeah. have that, you can have that, you, you can make that decision to say, yeah, I'm work for hire and I'm going to just shoot this wedding, whatever. Or you can be, like, look through, like, you know, for myself, like, looking through Bruce Davidson's photos, like, if you see, like, a portrait that you took of, like, a bride and groom, you're sort of, like, how interesting. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it was like he chose to photograph this and this was like part of like his life. Right, and right, and I think right. that that is like, that is, that has been a common thread for me for anything that I shoot, whether it's important or not. It's sort of like, um, <laughs> this is, it's funny and this is going to sound really douchey, but I just went, I was hired by Rolling Stone to go and shoot the Dead & Co. And I ended up hanging out with John Mayer for a really long time in the dressing room. Did you tell him your dream? Um, no. <laughs> Where did you shoot them at? Um, I was actually down in Charlotte. Um, okay. Whenever it was like the first like show. Because yeah, I just saw Sorry. them at Bonnaroo this year. Oh yeah, and it was cool. freaking amazing. Man, he was he was so cool. Like that was a documentary situation where I was thrown in there by the magazine, and they were like, "Just get in there," and like we would love to see like before show like ritual stuff, you know. And then you get there, and like I flew down there, and you know landed, and like met up with some people that were there, and I was like, yeah, I'm really, you know, I'm here with Rolling Stone, I'm looking for, like, just people doing stuff before the show, whatever. And like, well, they don't really have, like, a before the show thing. And I was like, okay, cool, like, exactly. This is exactly what I thought was going to happen, <laughs> you know? And it was cool because I talked to John about it, and then we, like, we, I just shot a project up in Montana, like, maybe six days before that. And... Turns out he lives in Montana, like, and he knew where I was and like where I was going and all that kind of stuff. And it was like we totally hit it off talking about that. And then we started talking about photography and then like music and stuff. And then, and then um, I was like, "Look, here's the deal. I'm here to shoot before show like ritual stuff. And you know, I I know that you guys don't really have a thing, but um, I don't know. I mean, if I'm gonna be around and shooting and just do your thing and like I don't know, maybe it would be cool. And he goes, he's like, yeah. I was like, I respect that. Like, you know. I just feel like it would be really cool. Like, I, I want you to like be. I want you to leave this place, like scrolling through your camera, saying like, "I nailed it." He's like, "What? Did, what is it that you want?" And I was like, "That would make you feel that way." And I was like, "Get everybody in your dressing room and talk about the set list, and I'll be happy." Well, and he was like, "Done. Yeah, of course." And then it was amazing. like right before the show. Then of course his manager comes over to me and he's like. So, you know, over the last, like, hour or whatever, like, his room is really messy. He doesn't want it photographed. Like, um, so I don't think we're going to do that. And I was like, yeah, I mean, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was like, well, just tell, why don't you just, I was like, will you just do me a favor? Just go in there and just tell him outside of the dressing room is fine. Like, let's not make a big deal of it. But it would just be cool to get everyone together. And, and I think it would be just appropriate that to, like, start off the career, to, like, the, the, the tour to do that. And he basically said, um, he was like, okay, cool, you know, went in there. And then it was like 10 minutes before the show, John kind of comes out and he looks at me and he goes, how's the light in here? And I was like, I mean, does it matter? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and he was like, he was like, well, where's a good spot? And I was like, well, I mean, I could give you a couple good spots, but if you're just trying to get everyone together, you know, here is fine. And he was like, okay, cool. Well, that's fine. And then people started popping out. And then, you know, and then it felt a little like contrived for a second there where John was like, yo, come here, you know? And then they were all there like kind of talking. And then like the photos ended up being like them laughing about like f faking it, you know? Yeah. And then, um, and then, you know, and I was, I was like, you know what? I'm like, I'm hanging out with the dead and John Mayer. Like, I can't yeah. be like, like, come on. 
how awesome is it? like even though this is like it feels totally fake right now like yeah. whatever like it doesn't matter and then Bob Weir which like love it love that guy um, he looks at me and he goes so uh, you want us to like line up a line up against this wall right here or something like that for a photo <laughs> and I go yeah I was like Bob you know what I'd love? I'd love for you guys all to get together and let's go out to the loading dock and there's some really nice like natural light out there and nobody's around and I'd love for you guys to just like talk about the show and just like get in the zone and do your thing. And then right as I was saying that, literally like three people surrounded me and like, oh, no, 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 nope, sorry, sorry guys. Uh, we're going to stay inside. We got this show's on in five minutes. Let's stay here right now. Uh, I don't want you guys going out. I don't want you to do whatever, you know. And I look over at Bob and Bob looks at me and he goes, what would be better? And I was like, let's go outside. And he goes, all right, we're going outside. <laughs> <laughs> and then we walk, we walk around the corner and I take him out there. And like, I was like, all right, just kind of stay in this spot right here and um, do your thing. Like, and then they all lined up. Like they're doing this like, like, you know, classic like band portrait, like set up right in front of me. And I shot like three photos of it. And I go, I was like, this is cool and all. And I'm glad that I got this, but I really just want you guys to just talk about that you're about to go on stage and don't worry about me for a little bit. And then they like, they started laughing and then, uh, and then Bob like just kind of started talking and he was like, kind of, it wasn't, you know, he wasn't mocking me, but he was like being silly about it for a little bit. And then he said, um, then he actually like, and then it started to become real. And I was just like, I was just shooting like crazy. And I turn around and there was literally like publicist managers and tour managers, there was like 15 of them. And they all had their phones out and they were all like, oh my God, like, <laughs> you know, there's like actually good light on them, whatever. And, and then, you know, and then, you know, we shot that like for like five minutes maybe. And then I said to them, I was like, hey, I, I could keep you guys here all night and shoot this. This is amazing. But like, I got what I wanted. Thank you guys so much. And I really appreciate you being sweet to me. And then they were like, oh, cool. Well, that was easy. Awesome. And then they walked in and then John came up to me and he goes, he goes, man, I just like had a moment. Like the, the Grateful Dead music is like, it's all about summertime. And I had a moment. It's like someone here is from Rolling Stone shooting. I look, I'm looking at Bob Weir. He's talking about the show. The sun is setting behind him. <laughs> I was like, I just had like a moment, man. This is like, this is so amazing. And I was like, I, I could not agree more. And he was like, I'm so glad you were here shooting this. This is so great. Oh and I was like, Thank you, man. Thank you, John, man. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes, he goes, oh, hey, I got this. I go, oh, I want to show you something really quick. And he, like, literally sprints to his dressing room and pulls out this, like, pink polo shirt that he found that was, like, from this photo of Bob Weir, like, back in the day. And he wanted, like, me to shoot a photo of him, like, holding it, which is funny. <laughs> and then um, and then I was like, hey, I was like, hey, John, I'm going to run on stage. I just want to shoot everyone, like, kind of walking on, whatever. And he's like, all right, cool, man. Go do your thing. And I'm, I'm out there, like, kind of in this little spot, like, right on the edge of stage, like, right by the drum kit, kind of shooting people, like, at that angle, walking on. And I'm shooting it or whatever, and John's walking on, and he runs over to me, and he puts his hand on my shoulder, and he goes, hey, man, really good meeting you. Like, I'm really excited to see what you do, man. Safe travels. I hope to see you again. I was like, <laughs> thanks. And then he, like, walks, like, ten steps over, and then, like, starts playing with the dead. You know, and it's like... That's insane. It was just, like, there's these moments where you, you want it to be, like, glorious... And you want it to be like a real moment or whatever. And I think that you just sort of have to like be open to like maybe like parlaying these moments that are fake yeah. into something that's real and being open with it. And, and sort of like I've learned also sometimes when you're documenting people, it's like just sometimes just tell them exactly what it is that you want, but like don't describe how it needs to be done. Yeah. And you know, you know, that kind of thing. And I think, um, I don't know. I don't really exactly remember why I told that whole story. <laughs> I'm so glad that you did. Uh, how, like, it seems like, um, you know, seeing you work a little bit and, and, and seeing your work that it's like very relational. Is that true? Um, yeah. You know, I think that, um, and especially hearing that story, it yeah, seems I think, like, yeah, relational for sure. But I think that also you just have to be like, you have to be approachable. Um, and, and I don't really know exactly how to mean that. I, I think that there's a couple people in my life that I know that are appro like approachable. There are those people that like, there's people that you talk to and then all of a sudden you realize you're like telling them more than they should know, but there's something about them that they just seem to listen or they seem to like, they're not like trying to take something from you. They are just mm. available and they're non-threatening. And I think that anytime that I have a camera, I always like, I always hope to feel that way. Well, dude, thank you. Any, uh, like 
15 second version of your life advice as a amazing photographer and DP that you would give to someone who's trying to, to do what you're doing? Um, I would say, um, shoot what you love and shoot what you don't know and shoot what, um, inspires you and, and don't overthink it. And if you try to make it complicated, like you're, you're only going to make yourself miserable. But if you go into it with like this sort of like ignorance bliss, like ignorance is bliss or like just a free mentality, like you have like such an edge on everything. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think that I learned that a lot from Danny as to like, sh- you know, or like reading interviews with like Gary Winogrand where he was like, I don't care if other people have shot it. Like, I want to see what it's like when I shoot it. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. You know? And yeah. I think that like that's the, that's what makes a career rather than something that you'll end up failing at. Mm. You know? Yeah. You just have to, you just, you just have to like not overthink it and try to make a masterpiece every time. You should know that like, you know, um, uh, what's his name? Um, oh my god, I'm totally spacing on his name. Frank Lloyd Wright. Frank Lloyd Wright. Frank Lloyd Wright like made his masterpiece like when he was in his 80s, you know. And it's like there's all these moments where you think about the Beatles and they did all this in their 20s, and there's this all this like all this like pressure to like make a masterpiece when you're young, and you should just not worry about that and make what is available to you and let yourself progress. Mm. Yeah. And that's it. You know, dude. Josh, thanks so much, man. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll have part two at some point this episode was mixed by Christian Stropko or as we like to refer to him Christian number two as always our music today was created by Cubby that's Cubby with two B's you can check out more of his stuff on CubbySounds.com our show is produced by Will Meyer and our good podcast logo was designed by Eric Hurchin also you can find other fun stuff at goodthepodcast.com 